Hello, everybody. This is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor at Games Radar Plus. Welcome to episode 50 of Radio Radar. This week on the show, myself, Sam Prell, Dave Roberts, and Anna Washenko talk through Destiny Rise of Iron, the latest World of Warcraft expansion, and how it relates to the future of massively multiplayer online RPGs like Destiny, and Forza Horizon 3. Listen on. Although we've come to the end of the road, still I can't let you go. It's unnatural. You belong to me. I belong to you. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I really felt like... No, you're not. Like... Are you ever <laughs> going to run out of songs for the intro? Am I ever going to... Well, the sand... The real question is, is the world ever going to run out of slow jams? for Ho- me to sing hopefully not <laughs> that's I, honestly guys like that's i think the worst version of a boys to men song that has ever been sung in public i mean i'm sure that there are like bachelorette parties in atlantic city circa 1997 when they're at the karaoke bar at the end of the night and like the bride is starting to think like oh man i don't really like him and her best friend starts singing it that might be on the same scale of badness, but it's still probably better than what just happened. Right? Low standards, I mean, man. Low standards. <laughs> you just have to own it, and you own it all the time. I lean into it. Yeah. I lean into it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Radio Radar, episode 50, by our counting. This is the 50th episode of Radio Radar, and we have a, an all-star cast for you today. My name is Anthony John Agnello, senior social editor at Games Radar, and making her Radio Radar debut, we have Anna Washenko. Whoop, whoop. And uh, Anna, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm super stoked to finally get to chat with y'all. Talk some shop. Talk some games. Talk some shop. I'm ready. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any slow jams that you'd like to bring to the show? Oh, none that would be appropriate. I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> Nobody told spot. me I had to sing and bring my karaoke skills. I need at least three <laughs> shots before I'm ready for that. Next time. Next time. I'll be ready. We, uh, <laughs> we do have slow jams Sam Prell in the house. I'll make love to you like you want me to. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was actually really good. <laughs> Thank you. That was perfect. That was amazing. Sam, how the hell are you living, man? Um, partially underwater. We had a really big storm around here in the Midwest last night. Uh, half of my parking lot went under last night, but uh, thankfully it did not creep up high enough to actually come into the building. It was close, though. That's, that is, yeah, that's always a plus. That's always a plus. Do you, do you often get flooding, Sam, where you are? Is that like, flooding a part of life there? Well, uh, I mean, yes and no. We do live downhill, so a lot of it runs down here. Um, but Iowa in general is pretty flat, so you you could get a lot of these pockets where it's pretty easy for something to run over. But- I miss I I miss where I grew up in in Syracuse, New York, like the farmland outside of that town. Our house didn't have like a sump pump or anything like that. And so back when we would get blizzards where so much snow, it like, went up, like, snow would come and it would go up to the roof of the house. Like, you could jump off the roof into the snow, it'd be fine. But when it melted, this meant that 
if you didn't have any kind of pump, your basement would just turn into a swimming pool. And I still remember one day my mom comes home and she's like, oh my God, oh God, there's so much flooding in the roads. And she finds my brother and I in the basement, just like, hey, all your old college stuff is destroyed, but we're having fun. Like just like in waist deep water. <laughs> Splashing like around, you got the fun noodles out and you're just smacking each other. There's like dead mice and shit in it. It was just, just vile. Uh Good times. The guy who knows what to do with a pool noodle that you guys just heard is Staff Roberts, Dave. Roberts. Don't take that. Don't take that the wrong way. Uh, no. Is there a right no, way to pool, take that? Uh, you ever, pool noodle skills are, are important, man. You got to know how to use them. Yeah. You got to know in, what to do with those pool noodles. In the coming apocalypse. I want to see Frank West wielding a pool noodle with knives attached to it. Let's see how that Spe- would go. Just whip them around. Of, uh, <laughs> Speaking of the weapon. coming apocalypse, this is this is really good. So if anybody, uh, you're you're listening to this on Monday, but as we're recording this, it is Friday, and this morning we're not going to go too deep in the details because I don't want to get bogged down in a conversation of who or is who not, uh, you know, or a douchebag. But some certain information came out about Oculus Rift uh, creator and Oculus founder Palmer Lucky this morning, and. Uh, I've heard today the best description of Palmer Lucky I have ever heard from a friend of mine. And he said, Palmer Lucky is the guy who in the post-apocalypse is killed by his group because he was secretly stealing food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is one of the most accurate descriptions of a person I think I've ever heard in my entire life. Yes. I don't know him personally. It's it's purely a judgment based on his uh, physical. <laughs> uh, I don't know him, but you know, I'll just throw these. these I mean, I've judgments out of here. <laughs> I've never yeah. I've never met him firsthand. I have heard uh, yeah. secondhand accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I would say that that yeah. probably seems accurate. I've, smart I, guy, I've never, not doesn't yeah. being smart doesn't make you good. No. I've never met Palmer Lucky. I've never met Palmer Lucky in my entire life. Uh, but I've also heard that he eats baby chicks a lot. <laughs> like, he goes to a farm, and he buys, like, a big cardboard box of the fluffiest baby chicks that he can find, and then just devours them. Gorges like himself. Yeah. yeah. He's, like a, he's like a character in Fable. I was, I was literally the... thinking the same thing, and he gets horns <laughs> at, at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just... He, he every single time he eats ten baby chicks, he grows a new Hawaiian shirt. That's <laughs> it's again. It's his winter I've coat. I've never met him. I've just heard that. That's just what I've heard uh, around around the campfire. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of the campfire, if anybody watched our stream this past week, Dave Roberts, Dave Houghton, and I got up in that Destiny Rise of Iron and ended our stream by sitting around a campfire and just hanging out with dogs. Wolves, yeah. Which, I think that's the best thing that I saw in Destiny Rise of Iron. Dave, you've been playing a little bit more. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of the latest Destiny expansion, man? <laughs> it's, fi- it's, fi- it's fine. It's fine. Um... Yeah, forget- everybody forgive Dave his hesitation because our... Uh, our, our EIC, uh, Andy Hardup, and uh, Dave Houghton, and Leon Hurley, and many people on the Games Radar staff think that Destiny is 
Not even a video game. It's like a way of life. Susan loves it. Susan loves it. Uh, Dave H loves it. Yeah, like uh, so many people love this game, and like God bless them, because uh, <laughs> I like I don't know. It's it's one of those it's one of those things that it's like I, I think that your brain just has to be wired a certain way to like enjoy Destiny or to enjoy like I've never really gotten into MMOs either, uh, mm, just mm. because I'm not the kind of person to I don't want to repeat the same quests over and over again for the chance of maybe getting better loot to make the numbers go up a little more you know were you ever like a diablo guy were you ever no. like a dungeon dungeon game guy no not like not really i i mean i enjoyed gauntlet a bit you know but right you know <laughs> the wizard needs food badly like i it's weird right like I, I love rpgs like i love i grew up playing final fantasy games and uh those sorts of things and i love I don't mind the like the random battleness and the 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 loot, the search for loot and those things. But like, I gotta have a story. I gotta have something mm, mm. to give me that crux to keep pushing forward. And the the prospect of playing hours to get more loot, so I can play more hours to get more loot. Like mm. that is a sort of like divide by zero argument that I just I my brain just doesn't want any part of that so like when Destiny first came out like I got into it because everyone else did because it was like oh hey the Halo guys are making a sci-fi shooter and I really love the look of it and I love the style and the like the UI everyone's like oh this is weird you move this like cursor around and I'm just like this is awesome it looks rad and you play it and you're like there's not a lot here but they really want you to play this stuff over and over again and I, I got to a point where I was like I was spending a week just grinding out, like, Vanguard missions just so I could get another piece of gear. And I was like, what right, am I right. doing with my life? And I stopped. And I didn't pick it up yeah. until the expansions came out. And the expansions have done a lot to fix its bigger issues. Like, uh, Taken King was... Well, take, I was just going to say, Taken King did. Yeah. Taken King fixed many of its biggest oh, yeah. issues. But, uh, but it's still... But... It's still, like, it has those, the, the MMO treadmill, you know? You're still mm. getting engrams and decoding them and realizing that none of the things that you just spent hours working toward are uh, are useful, so you, you know, throw them out. Uh, and, like, Rise of, Rise of Iron is a good bit of Destiny content. Like uh, Dave H was saying on the stream, it really, even as short as it is, like, the... Apparently they built it over like nine months, so the fact that the campaign is only two hours long is like it sucks that it's that short. But the fact that it's it's like some of the best story missions that Destiny's ever had. It's just is really it's, cool. It's problematic because you sit there and you say, "Oh well, for thirty dollars in Rise of Iron, you're getting." This two-hour campaign, and you're getting all of these new PvP elements, you're getting a new social hub, you're getting new weapons, and all the yeah, things. Yeah, then there's the strike, that, and then there's, there's the raid. There's a raid. That I and believe the raid is, is out to, now, yeah, right? Live, uh, yeah. as of Friday, yeah. As of today. So, and, uh, you know, all of that stuff is great. The only problem there is that last year, there was the Taken King, and that campaign was, like, six hours long. Yeah, it was pretty meaty. Like... That was like, it was a, a for real campaign. It was a campaign that was better than 
you know, what what had come with the initial game when it shipped in 2014. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like uh, you know if a lot of people out there, the, the sentiment this week is is pretty glowing around Rise of Iron. But if there is the type of person who is as as Sam informed me people in the mmo playing world call people like us tourists yeah <laughs> that you you come back to a game when there is the new expansion and you play what's like just there in the expansion and you don't keep going right uh but but the whole idea is that destiny is supposed to cater to that type of player the whole idea was that you would have this persistent game and there would always be stuff to do for people who like the loot grind but for people that like a classic Bungie game, whether that's Halo or Marathon, there are people out there that are passionate about Marathon. Yeah. Right? They have to exist. Yeah. Or Oni. I mean, like, one, one, or, or Oni. Oni. Yeah. There's that one guy. There's that one guy out there that like went out and bought a Ghost in the Shell action figure and painted the hair <laughs> and said it's the main character from Oni. I made my own custom fig. <laughs> uh, I don't think that person exists. I'm lying. That's not... You're just saying that because you know that it's you. It's this podcast is not video because it would be sitting on a shelf right behind you. My custom made Oni action. Right figure. next to your Fran figure and Do you have Yeah, Fran well? from Final Fantasy 12 and Red She-Hulk. Shit. Found <laughs> out. I made her her own little knee pads and everything. So she... Oh my god. She can walk God around damn. nondescript warehouses and do flips around boxes. It's great. Yeah, I just I go and I make her small little cardboard boxes to to kick people through. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like there there are bungee people, bungee fans who come to Destiny and they just want that campaign. And Rise of Iron's a little bit of a letdown in, in that regard. Yeah, like if you're into Destiny and like uh, I was talking to our own video guy Anthony Snyder about this last night. And, like, he's like, well, I've been here since the beginning. I had the other expansions, so I got this one because, I mean, like, I feel like I put all this time into it. And so I got mm-hmm. I got to see this out. And I was like, I believe that's what they call the sunk cost fallacy, Anthony. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, and I get that. It's just like, hey, it's more Destiny stuff. I like this game. I want to do more stuff. I find it kind of galling that Activision charges so much money for these expansions every year. Yeah. Like, $30 is a lot to ask, I think. But, I mean, you know, people pay it because people like Destiny and they want more of it. Um, It's just, like... Like, playing this new expansion and, like, getting back up into the Destiny thing reminds me of, like... I was reminded a lot about Fallout 4. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, like, the open-worldness of Fallout 4. Like, I was just... Like, I stare at this list of things to do in Destiny. Like, there's so many things, like, you know, I could go check out the Archon's Forge, figure out how to get the stuff to activate that and go through those things. There There are the strikes, there are other missions. There's, like, I still have a bunch of Taken King stuff that I haven't finished yet. And it's just, like, I look at this list of thing potential things to do. And then in my head, I weigh the amount of time it takes. it's going to take for me to do one of those things. Or like, you know, like if I have to, oh, you know, I need to play this thing with, with actual people, which means that I need to set aside 45 minutes of uninterrupted time of, of you know, of a life where a child could, be ne- mm-hmm. could need something at any given moment. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to pause 
uh, because it's always and, and this is in addition. This is in addition to all the time that you've already spent uh, out of the game. Yes. A hunt, hunting through forums and asking people what these weird ass items that you just found do. Yeah. And trying to find people to actually play with. And then there's the crucible. It's like, oh, so I have all these crucible quests that I could do, and that means just spending hours playing multiplayer matches. And like all of this sounds fun, but there's it's just it's so much for me to handle that my brain just like I look at the time that it's gonna take to do something and the potential reward that I'm going to get out of it. And it's like with me with Fallout Four and staring at every single building. And going, like, if I go in that building, it's going to take me an hour to get through it, and I might get a new weapon out of it. And then I just I look at it all and go, nope. And I turn the game off, and I, I'm just like, I, I can't. I can't deal with yeah. that. It's the spiritual it's choice. Nice. But aren't you the one who uh, started up a new game plus in The Witcher 3? <laughs> I was going to say, that's how I feel about The Witcher. <laughs> I could not care less about that game, but I am still playing Fallout 4. <laughs> Dogmina yeah, Anna, you're you're not a, you're not a Witcher fan. I, I mean, I watch trailers for it. I I listen to the Gwent chats, chants in chat, <laughs> and Gwent, I just Gwent, Gwent, it does. Gwent, Gwent, Gwent. Yep, nada. Do not care. Not interested. <laughs> I don't care how good it is. It just it doesn't speak to me. I have no desire to sink that many hours into that world. Well, I'm curious. What what is it about Fallout then? that what is it about that grind that draws you in because in my head the primary difference between fallout and the witcher is character that there is there is much more character to the world of the witcher there are people with personalities and i want to spend time with them whereas fallout to me is like uh i'm gonna go and i'm gonna find this barrel full of junk and then i'm gonna find this barrel full of junk and maybe i'll see some skeletons and wonder why those skeletons are there i'll say i disagree i think you can't argue that nick valentine doesn't have personality hmm. and hmm. i don't know i i like finding the random folks in the world to me they they are much more fully fledged to me than this i i appreciate that they're doing this kind of eastern european sort of mystical take in the witcher i think that's really cool i'm glad that is a sort of different flavor of fantasy that's mm -hmm. available for players. But it just, I don't know, it's so dark and harsh. And I love the sense of humor in Bethesda games. They're so flippin' funny. They're so tongue-in-cheek and kind of dorky and loads of the in-jokes. And it's just, it makes me happy. It's, I, mm. I am totally a Bethesda fangirl. And that's usually how I make my, my own RPG decisions. You know, did, did Bethesda make it? Did Blizzard make it? Let's talk. <laughs> I, I, I will say, uh, Anna, that like it, The Witcher seems very, especially the like the first two games are very po-faced, uh, and the third game definitely gives off that impression. But like, there is a sense of humor there. Uh, oh yeah, and it reveal it reveals itself very quickly. Sure, um, but I don't want to necessarily play that many hours with another guy who sounds like this. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, he right. like the, the, yeah. The the thing about The Witcher Three is that like he at least. Like, it, it starts to feel a little, like, the, the developer's a little more self-aware about their mm -hmm. character. Uh, but, yeah, he's still very much, like, uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Like, yeah. for seven Anna, hours. I will say, the, the best thing that happens in The Witcher is you get through the beginning, and it still seems like, oh, my God, what a terrible burden that I bear in this war-torn land. And by the time you get past the introduction, you realize that pretty much every major moment is either, yes, Geralt's going to do something badass, or somebody is making fun of him. <laughs> like, he is 
constantly getting mocked for being the guy that talks like this. Yeah. I appreciate that. And it's, that, it, that it's great. There's, there's a side quest in one of the expansions where you have to repair the uh, uh, endowment of a uh, nude statue. <laughs> oh, yes, that's like, right. Magical. It, like, like yes. people co- come to it to pet it because they think yeah. that it gives them, like, virility, and someone stole it. And so you have to, yeah. you go on a detective quest <laughs> to find it. To basically track down John Malkovich. Yeah. It's basically John Malkovich who stole it. So, and so, sorry, were you going to say more about The Witcher there, Anthony? No, all I was going to say was, like, it's funny that we end up talking about Fallout 4 and The Witcher when we're talking about Destiny, because ultimately, Destiny, Destiny has such rich lore. Oh, yeah. But... The problem is, is that there is no, like there is nothing in the game that is really an entryway to it in the way that The Witcher has and, with its sort of like very sort of thick Eastern European fantasy, or with Bethesda's sort of dorky, you know, it, it, like it's funny when you say dorky, Anna. I'm like I can hear the love in your voice when you say it, yeah. and I agree that that's <laughs> like the best thing about Bethesda RPGs is that it feels like you're playing the physical substantiation of a bunch of people playing a pen and paper role-playing game around a table. Exactly, yeah. Like it, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the, so and the, Destiny just doesn't doesn't have either of those hooks. Yeah, well, and, yeah I was going to say, so the thing that I hear in common from everybody at the podcast table is that content is not enough. Like, you can't just throw content at players and say, well, you can do all of this, and you can do the Crucible, and you can hunt down... I forget what the Rise of Iron's Calcified Fragments equivalent is, and you can do strikes, and you can do this, and this, and this, this. Because then it just turns into the the Ubisoft open-world problem, or as Anthony calls it, uh, the consumption, I think. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what you call it? Uh, that's absolutely what I call it. When the there's goddamn sense. consumption. When there's just a bunch of content but no hook or nothing to draw you in. And for some people, the world of Destiny is fleshed out and they really do like the world of Destiny. They really like that blend of sci-fi and fantasy. And other people are going to like the realistic fantasy world, medieval fantasy of The Witcher. And some people are going to mm-hmm. like the self-aware goofiness of Fallout. And it's but the point, whatever you like, is that content by itself is never or rarely enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, the, and to your point earlier, like you, you asked me uh, before we kind of derailed for a little bit, uh, like, why did I start up a new game of The Witcher? Or why did I start up a new game of Metal Gear Solid Five or uh, these other games? And it's because, like, I can pause those games. Those games are huge, yeah. they're rich with content, but I can come to them on my own terms. And it's the same reason why I don't really get into MMOs. The last one that I really got into was Final Fantasy fourteen, and that's mostly because of my love of Final Fantasy and not because of the MMO-ness. Like, I wasn't doing raids with other players, I was just doing the single-player content because, like... And I, I think I played that for maybe a month or two before I ended up stopping. Uh, but yeah, it's just, like, I can come to a game like The Witcher on my own terms. I can pause it when I need to. I can leave and not touch it for months and then come back Mm. and other than maybe a patch or two, that world will be the same. It won't be like Destiny where like six months later I hop back in and suddenly you can fuse items and the game doesn't tell you how to do that. 
Yeah, I you know? opened up. I opened up Destiny thinking, "Oh, there's puppies in this expansion. I will totally go check this out." And I was level five, and there is no way I'm going back at this point. <laughs> that ship has sailed. I'm sorry. I wish there was just always something more exciting for me to play. But I will say, dang, is that game beautiful? I oh, love oh, the art style of that game so hard. And man, Anna, it's so funny. Like uh, when we streamed it. I realized that, you know, my, my character, my established, you know, level 40-plus character that I, I'd been playing with, through the Taken King with was gone because they were tied to my Xbox One. Uh, and I cast that goddamn thing into the abyss. But, <laughs> so I had to re-roll my character, and it's still Destiny. If you re-roll a character, you have to play that same introductory level again. Yep where you wake up in a field of old busted cars in Russia for some reason. And, you know, I've been playing that damn thing since the alpha in July of 2014. And yet, when I sat down to play it all over again, I was like, God damn, this is still so pretty. Yep. I So pretty! I, I wish yeah. I had the hours to dedicate to it, because I do think there's a lot to recommend Destiny. And it's oh, just, yeah. It's, it's just not quite making the cut for me. Yeah, and I, it's a job. Yeah, it's a job. Yeah. And it's just and some people love that job. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, own, yeah. I, I don't. I God, I don't even. Like, how how many hours did Dave H said that he he played? It was like over three hundred. Oh, like right? Yeah, it's over three hundred. And Andy, Andy has like seven hundred and forty some odd hours. Yeah, that's in that game. And. Which is, I, I've never... What is actually... This is, this is an interesting question. And not, like, a game that you've replayed many times. Because I think, like, Tetris 89 for the original Game Boy, I probably have something like... I've probably spent a week of my waking life playing that game. But for each of you, what is the longest you've ever played a game for on a single clock? I mean, I suspect, Sam and Anna, that the game we're going to be talking about next is your answer. But what do you think is the longest you've ever played a game for? Yeah. Do we? Do yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, I think it's gonna be wow. Unless it's, it's something be world casual, world. like you know, Plants vs Zombies, or I don't know. Right. Minesweeper. It would be. <laughs> yeah. It would. Sorry. But yeah, I, I think for actual most hours hours logged, it's gonna be wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you have to do most hours logged, it's it's World of Warcraft. But uh, if you were doing single player, it would be Skyrim. Skyrim. Dave, how about you? Is it Metal Gear? It uh, might be well, Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid Five. I have like a hundred over a hundred hours clocked on that game. Right, well, that game right. is a hundred hours to beat in the first place, anyway. So uh, it's yeah. sixty, but you know, <laughs> sixty. But yeah. I mean, 60 if, if we're talking like a game that I just I have spent so much it's gonna be Picross mm. like that that like some people are obsessed with Tetris some people are obsessed with World of Warcraft like Picross is is mine I'm, I'm actually I'm trying to look up my uh, the time that I've played on this new one so far and I can't uh, seem to get to it on my 3ds but um, it's the kind of game where I basically I charge my 3ds I play it until my battery dies I charge again, right, and then immediately keep continue playing it. Um, that is dedication. Yeah, right now. So, Picross 3D Round Two, I have uh, 38 hours logged on it oh so God. far, and I'm not even done That's with the puzzle. Disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's a lot for a puzzle game. That's a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think my single longest save on a single player game to this day is still Dragon Quest VIII. I still have that PlayStation Two memory card that has the ninety-seven hours thirty-four minutes save file on oh, it. Oh jeez. Yeah. And all all of those hours were logged in two weeks. Oh god. Which is that sounds like night. That's. A... <laughs> uh... I remember going over to my friend's house, uh, and he like he was a Final Fantasy Tactics obsessive. Yeah. And I remember watching him play that game, and his timer count because like there's a, a when you would load your save file, it, it, it would tell you how many uh, how much time that you spent, and his was maxed out. Like it it was like nine nine wow. hours nine nine <laughs> minutes, and he was still playing that game. And it, it had Yikes. been like that multiple times when I went over to his house. Uh, he <laughs> loved that damn game. Man, that's deep. that is deeply disturbing. I so, love Final Fantasy Tactics too, but... So here's a question then, uh, before we would move on. Um, when do you guys decide that enough is enough? Like, I know that, Anthony, like you said, you got your Destiny character up to max level... But now oh, with yeah. Rise of Iron, you're not really super interested in it. And like when I said Skyrim, you know, yeah. at some point I had to be like, you know, I feel like I've seen enough of this game and yeah. I am satisfied and I'm done with it now. Man, when it comes to Skyrim and all of Bethesda games, I, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I play a Bethesda game and like get into it, I end up falling down the hole of the metagame. I, I become so disinterested in the actual plot as it's presented. Uh, the, just the dryness of presentation in, in Bethesda RPGs just doesn't appeal to me. So I end up doing what, what a lot of people do and just find my own game in there. Mm -hmm. And Skyrim was like, you know, like I, I think all I did was wander around finding places and by the time it got to a point where what was left to do was actually pursue the story, I was so over-leveled over everything because I discovered every location before the plot wanted me to be there. So everything was trapped at that low level when I walked in. So it was just like, ah, Dragon Lord knocking everything to death. And the metagame for me became becoming a master like blacksmith. It was just, like, leveling, leveling, gathering materials, leveling, leveling. And then the metagame was over. That's For things like Destiny, though, I, I just, I, I run out of, like, there's, like you said, the content is not enough for me. When yeah. all the story missions are gone, and all the side story missions are gone, and then it's like, go do raids with people again and again and again. Like, nope, I could not find anything less interesting than that. Yeah, I feel like when the games are well done, having the option of... And that's it's one of the, the things I love most about Bethesda is the you-make-your-own plot. Mm -hmm. It's if you decide you want to be the Archmage in Skyrim, you go do that. And if you mm -hmm. want to join a faction, you go do that. And that can be enough. And I like that it doesn't gate you to do the main story or to have to do certain quests, usually, to open up all those other things. Because, yeah, that's, that's my idea with an RPG. It's, I, I try to be very particular about them. So sometimes if the world looks interesting or the story or the characters seem cool, I'll dabble in it for a little while, but I have no qualms about putting it down after three hours and just saying, yeah, well done, cool, or screw you guys. <laughs> See, when I quit, when I quit a game that's really... When I quit a game that's really long like that or that I've sunk a lot of hours into, I feel the need for 
resolution. Mm. And so I have to create some sort of satisfactory ending to my character arc. So like with Skyrim, uh, the I had done like everything. I'd been the head of the companions. I became the arch uh, mage and all that stuff and had uh, final finally completed the last DLC and just kind of wandered around for a little bit and realized that there wasn't anything left to challenge me or that I, you know, really wanted to do. And so I took my character over to, I forget which bridge it's called, but it's the one that has the great big dragon mouth at one end. And I just took all of the gear and all of the, like, treasures that I had acquired over this character's adventures and I threw them all over the side, and I went back to my house with just the clothes on my back, regular clothes, not like dragon armor, and I went, I said hi to my wife, and I went to sleep, and that character story was done, and I have not touched that save file since then. That is how that game ended for me. I really like that. <laughs> then the U.S. Awesome. government shows up and <laughs> guns you down in slow motion. Uh... Khajiit, we need you. <laughs> so in all of this, what, we, what we've hinted at already and have been leading up to is that, you know, people are already sitting there saying, like, well, we need Destiny 2. Rise of Iron is not enough. We need an actual proper sequel and reboot this goddamn thing from the ground up. And yet we have two people on this podcast who have been playing the same video game since 2004 and it's world of warcraft which i don't i couldn't even tell you what world of warcraft physically looks like at this point <laughs> so uh sam anna i know you guys are deep in there take us on a take us on a guided tour of what the hell is wow at this point Anna, you are are the guests. You are the. This is your first time on the podcast. I would like you to take this the All reins right. on this. Well, uh, I will. I will slightly correct you. I've not actually been playing since the beginning. I am a much more recent uh, WoW convert, but full on. Oh, added. really? Yeah, I actually started playing with uh, Pandaria, which. Oh, that is recent. Which remains, I think, one of the better expansions they've done. I realize that's an unpopular opinion, but I think that that had some of the best stuff um, i really like playing the questing for me that is a, a story driven game this this mm. universe is so interesting and full of again lots of really charming and surprising little side missions and quests and so the grand story is not something i've been playing for a decade although legion is doing some batshit exciting stuff with story um but yeah i i really like the the cycle of it. You know, Dave was saying, oh my god, I don't want to grind the same thing over again. I don't want to put all these hours in. And there's something very soothing for me about doing that grind in WoW where it feels powerful. It's like, I'm already such a badass, and I'm gonna get even more badass, and I'm gonna get even <laughs> more badass, and then my spoilers like, are gonna glow with flames, and then my head piece is gonna have a star on top of it, and it's just gonna look even more awesome. And I don't know, I, I really enjoy that progression of just feeling super awesome at every stage of the game. And I feel like a lot of other RPGs and MMOs, it's they have that, but it doesn't really get that... Mm, it's not as satisfying as, as WoW is yeah. for me. Yeah, over the, over the past few expansions, I would say probably since Mists of Pandaria, so maybe this is why you like it so much, 
Um, since that expansion, Blizzard has really nailed the pacing of player improvement. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't spend a long time stuck with the same gear or feeling like you're not getting stronger or better or cooler stuff. Um, it's basically, you know, you move to a new area, you find your first, like, hub, which is a socialish area or a town, and there will be three or four people that have quests, and each of those people have like three or four quests to do. And once you've done those, they all culminate into one big not tying up quest that leads you to the next area. So you always kind of have an idea of, well, it should take me about this long to get through here and I can do this. And um, I know that at the end of this, I'll get something cool. Um, in the early days of WoW, because I have been playing since 2004, off and on, you know, there were months where I couldn't afford it. But... Uh, in the early days, it wasn't like that. It was much more sandboxy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they still led you through, like, here's the area you can go through at these levels, and here's the areas you can handle at these levels. But it didn't really pull you along the way that it does now. It was just kind that's of the a... Wow, that's the wow I remember. That's, yeah. That's, it was like that when I still played. But it was Cataclysm in 2010 that sort of overturned that, right, Sam? Yes, I would say Cataclysm was a turning point in terms of world design. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because they completely overdid, redid the world. So suddenly it did become a game where you're following and chasing you know, each next quest and you know where the next one's going to lead instead of this just vague sense of grinding out to become stronger. Um, as Anna was saying, though, Legion, this new expansion is really good good. uh (laughs) it's doing some really cool stuff for the people who've been playing a long time like you go and you find these artifacts and you have these social hubs that are back in old places that like call back to some of the first adventures that you ever had and old characters show up and die um it's like legion is probably one of the most story intensive expansions that uh wow was ever done i would say but there's also i was thinking about this as we were talking um with legion they've done a really great job of giving you almost two entirely different sets of progression so like with destiny you have your character level and your light level and it's sort of like you level up one and then you work on grinding up the other one so it feels like a weird disjointed like you can really tell when you've hit the end game of destiny um because you're now focusing on grinding up your light through your gear instead of grinding up your character level whereas legion is doing this really cool thing where you have your character level which does all the things it always has you know makes you a bit stronger makes you able to do new spells and get new talents and that sort of stuff but you also now have these weapons called artifacts that have their own like skill tree and as you go about questing in the world you'll find or receive from quests these little items that help boost those abilities so your character level grows exponentially faster than your artifact level does but all the while you still feel like you're constantly getting stronger in one or the other um experience bars yeah it's a really I really liked what they did with those those order halls where they are the class halls with this yeah. expansion because this is a game where not only have I sunk the most hours into it but this is the only RPG I've ever played where I really felt 
a really close connection with the character I was playing. Mm. And so I really, that, that idea of, they talked at BlizzCon last year about how they were redoing a lot of the class structures and that they were really tapping into the fantasy, that was the phrase, of each of these different types of character. And, and I think the class halls did such a good job of really, again, recreating that, really hammering home this idea of you are this character, this is your backstory, these are your people, this is your your own little world that you're trying to save from the invasion and it's yeah they did such an amazing job with this one in particular i was really kind of underwhelmed with with dranor the last expansion but this one especially just they seem to really have doubled down on what i had loved in wow when i first started mm. playing even at those early levels this idea that this is this is you you are your tune and you are gonna go on this huge adventure together and put in those hundreds and hundreds of hours and you you're gonna be along for the ride <laughs> what does it what does it look like at this point like like graphically like what is the presentation of wow like at this point i mean it's always been kind of on the cartoony side even the original zones were done i think i think their art style actually was really smart in that they sort of future-proofed it by having it look a little yeah corny or a little over style. Oh yeah, it was it was it was it was very sort of like uh, pastel colored and, and bulbous characters and yeah, it was very stylized. But I, I guess I just mean like, is it visually flashy at this point? Because there was a time when World of Warcraft was considered visually cutting edge. You know, uh, in terms of what you could do in an MMO, it was it was considered very very beautiful. But I mean, that's a decade gone at this point. I think it is. And I was actually yeah, I think yeah. it's great. Especially again, they they did a lot of revamps of classes, and so the animations on a lot of your character skills mm. are so good. <laughs> I'm gonna keep yeah. flipping out about it. It's yeah, just it it really looks and feels like you are this super badass hero with these crazy spells and so the animations are great i really think their zones especially in this expansion mm. i think they're all gorgeous so again yeah, they're still the, in um, that stylized art approach but doing some again kind of interesting takes on fantasy world this is this is maybe a weird comparison to make but um actually one of the things that i think about when i think about uh wow's art style is Final Fantasy X. So yeah. if you look at Final Fantasy X, it has a lot of bright colors, but the thing that I want to draw attention to is like if you look at some of the most beautiful things in that game, like uh, the Aeon Summons that you bring in, their models in terms of polygons are actually pretty low count. It's the textures yeah. that have been detailed to an extreme, and these textures are just so vivid and bright and like uh, you know, they've got these nice punchy details that really sell the visual illusion of what this character looks like. And that's a lot of what um, World of Warcraft does, too. You know, there's not actually a whole lot of complexity to the character models. They're still that big, bulky, cartoony. You know, there's not a lot of subtlety to them no. um, in terms of models. But if you look and get close-ups of the armor, you see these cool little details like cracks in the metal or jagged scratches on stone and little flashes of lightning if you've got particularly cool armor sets and stuff like that so yeah it's definitely visually punchy and um yeah some of these new areas in particular are really varied there's an elven forest that's just got these gorgeous rolling hills with these curling vines and 
lush trees and all kinds of flowers growing up around. Um, I think that's my favorite location so far that I've gotten to Legion, though I haven't gotten to the final zone. Mm-hmm. So why do you guys think that it never... Why didn't WoW ever make it to a console? It seems like at this point the game is so different than it was at the beginning where it required this, this such a huge investment and a willingness to just sort of like go out there and grind, 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 grind. Whereas now it sounds like it's so accessible and so inviting to somebody who's never played before that it seems like it would be very easy to translate that to something that somebody would want to play on a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One. Uh, you know, why do you guys think that hasn't happened? Well, I think there hasn't been a comfortable control scheme yeah. is the biggest reason. Um, yeah. I think the networks are very clearly capable of handling it. It's just that up until the patch before Legion, like when I was playing um, Wrath of the Lich King was when I was probably most heavily invested in WoW. Was that and, what, 2008? Oh, God. Let's see. 2004 was the vanilla. 2006 would be... Yeah, it'd be 2008. It'd be right around there. Um, my shaman character had, like... This is only a slight exaggeration. 31-ish buttons that I had to know what each one did and be prepared to use <laughs> any of them at a given time and strategically place things. You know, it was hot bar central. There's a reason that WoW kind of spurned this, uh, you know, joke about what an MMO looks like. And it's just all these freaking icons all over the screen so much that you can't see your character. (laughs) But um, up until the patch right before Legion, um, that was still largely the case. They tried to prune it down, but it was still just, you know, you had bars upon bars of these buttons. And now, like... Um, my shaman, I basically have like three, sometimes five abilities that I really use in mm. any given combat. Again, I haven't gotten to the final zone, so I haven't done like the mythic dungeons or the extra hard stuff, and raiding isn't open yet. Um, so that could change, but in general, it's gone way, way simpler. So I just think back in the past, it wasn't really feasible to do on a on a controller. The best controller scheme I've ever seen for a console MMO is easily Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, so comfortable. Like, yeah. I, I actually, I spent most of my time playing Final Fantasy XIV on a console with the controller, and everything is just super easy, mapped to L, L and R triggers, and you just hold down a trigger and press a face button, and you activate one of your abilities. Yeah. Super easy. Yeah. I played on PC, but I played it with a controller because it's just so smooth and easy to do. Hmm. The only console MMO that I've ever played was right when DC Universe came out on PlayStation 3. I took the requisite 90 days it took to install and patch. (laughs) Uh, You you had to wait a solid three months between uh, installation choice on the PSN and when you could actually play. And then I started it, I designed my character, and then I asked, do I hate myself, and then turned it off and deleted it forever. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) That was... It also, like, it reinforced every negative stereotype that there was about the idea of an MMO on a console. I was just like, this feels terrible. But, I mean, that was so long ago at this point. It was like seven years ago now. 
Yeah, I kind uh, of... Your question makes me wonder something, though. I do wonder if, like, Anna and I maybe really like Legion because of the improvements that we've seen, whereas I yeah. wonder if somebody, you know, was just given a copy of WoW all the way up through Legion and said, here, uh, here's a game for you, join me, and we'll play together. I wonder if they would see it in the same exciting light or if they would just be like, oh, this is a, you know, this is an okay, this is a good MMO, but not be as, like, jazzed about it because we've seen it grow and change over the years. We've also talked about the same thing with, you know, the more RPG-specific games rather than MMOs, that, you know, there has to be some hook in the world. There has to be something where you log into the game, you play a few hours, and you have to have that gut, yeah, I get this, I want to spend some hours in this. And I, I know there would be tons of people who from my own gaming friends who just, again, zero interest in WoW. Like, that's nice, guys. Have fun. Right. <laughs> so it's... I, I do think it would be interesting seeing someone who does game but has never done WoW see that progression and see what they, what they think of it. Because, again, as someone who picked it up more recently, I, I didn't dislike the earlier zones, even when, again, they stalled out or some of the zones are real, real boring. Um from those those early vanilla times and from the first expansion. But yeah, it's there's there was just something there that always kept pulling me forward and wanting to spend more time there. Anna, between you and Sam, I feel like you guys your your experiences with WoW put you in in uniquely uh, st- uniquely fitting perspectives to judge the future of Destiny. And I realize that these are profoundly profoundly different games, but do you guys, both of you, think that we're still going to be talking about Destiny in some shape or form 12 years from now? Sam? I think yes. I will go with yes. Um, I think that Activision has created a property that, while divisive, uh, especially at first, I think it definitely has found its audience and has hooked them properly. I think that part of the retention problem with World of Warcraft is that there's never been and probably never will be a World of Warcraft 2. So there's never an excuse for somebody to be like, oh, well, this is the game that I want to come back in. I'll come check it out now that there's a new one. But with Destiny, there'll be a Destiny 2, and then that'll get expansions, and then a Destiny 3, and that'll get expansions. And I feel like it's a much more iterative process um, that lends itself better to a sustainable um, franchise, just like how Call of Duty, you know, sees its ups and downs, but it's, I mean, shit, Call of Duty's been around forever, too. Yeah, yeah. Anna, how about you? I'm less optimistic, partially because, ah. well, not, not because I don't think it's a good game and that it couldn't succeed. I actually kind of wonder if other studios will come around and do it better. Yeah, mm. and that's I, I, that's more where I would put my money. I think, and again, you said twelve years. I think Destiny will be around for a good long while, but I don't know that it has that kind of staying power when there will be other games yeah. looking to fill that same space. And again, really probably funny. doing the the kind of different segmentation things better. Like that's something WoW is really good at. I think you know you can quest and just quest, and that's great. You can only do raids, and that's great. And there's there's something to find in each of those paths, and I feel like there will be other games that do that better, and that, I think, is a key for success. Yeah, Blizzard Blizzard has demonstrated a very real talent for uh, 
finding something that is so strong about what they've made and turning it into something else when the time is right. And WoW is an embodiment of that. You know, recognizing that, like, oh, Warcraft and the way that people play Warcraft and the way that people are invested in the lore of Warcraft and the way that people are doing this thing called EverQuest, you know, would really lend itself to doing this other thing. And then Warcraft has changed again. It, is, it has lent itself to being this wonderful platform for Hearthstone. And people have really responded to that. And, I, you know, I, I think people have responded less well to Heroes of the Storm. I mean, that doesn't really seem to be taking off in the way that they wanted it to. But it does have its audience. And there is a segment of the like competitive population out there that's still playing that. There are still Heroes of the Storm college tournaments out there. But, you know, if I sit there and I think about Destiny, I, Anna, I end up having the same perspective you do. And I'm like, in 12 years, are people going to be like, ah, we're, we're, we have our own Destiny vanilla server because we are so <laughs> passionate and nostalgic about, like, 2014-era Destiny. And, like, no. If I had to predict, you know, in 12 years from now, if somebody's playing something that is Destiny-like, it would be Overwatch branded. Oh yeah. It would be a massive Overwatch style RPG in the mold of Destiny, I would, not Destiny itself. I would play the hell out of an Overwatch RPG. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of people would too. I think I, I think a lot of people would be really, really freaking into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So those those are the those are the exciting things that have been going on in the world of video gaming in the past week. And then there's Forza Horizon. Woo? <laughs> 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 Which that sounds dickish. Yeah, that sounds like sounds I, like mean, that sounds like I'm being a shithead. But, but no. I mean, okay. So I played a bunch of Forza Horizon three um, over the week. We have a review up from uh, X Games Radar Racing Nut, now freelance racing nut uh, Justin Towel up on the yeah. site you can read that uh and he and i both kind of came to the same conclusions um forza horizon 3 is probably one of the most solid solidly built fully featured um expertly crafted games that microsoft has published in a long time now like gears of war 4 is still uh, a couple you know uh, couple weeks out and uh like forza horizon 2 uh was was good in similar ways but yeah like this this game like you know other than god like master chief collection landed on its face halo 5 landed on its face recore landed on its face tomb raider like was good but it wasn't made internally at a microsoft studio it was published or it was made by square microsoft just threw money at it to publish it um so Forza Horizon 3 is probably one of the best games that they've made in recent memory, but it has all of the thrill and excitement surrounding it as, like, another year's model of the Toyota Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, like not, not that that's bad. Like, hey, you know, it's the new model of the Corolla. It's like the other models of the Corolla, but it gets a little better gas mileage, and now you can... There's, like, Bluetooth... On, on the thing, so you can plug your phone in. Like we, we have the old plugs, though. Don't worry about that. They made the new plugs. It sucks, but 
whatever, just come into our shop and replace. Like, like no, it, it has... It ha- come into our drive time sale on yeah. Xbox One. <laughs> this weekend only, it's President's Day. We've got Forza Horizon 3. And balloons for the kids. Uh, so, like, and it sucks that it it feels very... You know, like it's it is it is a it is a rote sequel. Here's the yeah. game that you like, but more. Uh, but it's a really good one of those. It's set yeah. in Australia, and Australia, I think, has been the most. It's the most interesting location for the series yet. Like the southern, uh, like France and uh, you know the Mediterranean coast. While interesting, it was still like a lot of the same sort of uh, locations. Just a lot of. Uh, grassy plains and vineyards and and that sort of thing so it 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 felt like kind of one big open samey blob even though it looked very pretty whereas australia now is just like oh over here is the beach and up to the north is this really cool like metropolitan area with lots of winding twisting streets and then if you go a little bit to the east there's a huge uh you know just giant desert and you can off-road and get your buggies and just cruise along and then if you go a little south there's the rainforest and that has mm. its own unique feel and and challenges to overcome and you can race on the beach and you can you know, there's just there, there's there's this they pack a lot of variety into such a yeah. small space and it looks gorgeous they've blown out all the customization options the the progression is still like you just kind of race until you're bored of it um <laughs> I mean, like, what a ringing endorsement. Well, I mean, like, they're, they're, okay, so there's a story. The idea of these games is that there's this uh, Horizon Festival going on, and it's basically, like, a douchier version of Coachella, but with racing. Yeah, right. it's like Car Bonnaroo. Yeah, and every year that they make one of these games, it, it gets more and more ridiculous as a concept because, one... I don't think any location in the world would allow a festival to just have races <laughs> on populated city streets where you have cars tearing ass through suburban fences and like private vineyards and stuff like that. That's not going to happen. Um, but like whatever you just it's it's the, the dumb conceit to get their open world in, in a place and like to frame all this stuff around. But now in this game, you're the boss. And I find it incredibly ridiculous that the owner of this dumb festival is, one, building it as it's going on. Because you start with one location and fans continue to come. So you're like, oh, we have to build another location because we're running out of space here. And you upgrade locations. And it, all it does is just open up more race opportunities. There's no, there's no like sim aspect to it. So it's like, okay, so you're building this thing as it's happening. Because you're like, oh, we didn't plan for this. And two... As the owner of this this festival, you are also racing in all of its events and beating everyone <laughs> and w- winning racket. their prize money. <laughs> I, uh, David Roberts is not yeah, sold on this on they're, the they're lore of Forza Horizon Three. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a really than, good gig to me. <laughs> it, it's it's better than in Forza Horizon Two, where the guy who runs it is just like just a simpering douche. Yeah, like he is insufferable yeah. every single time like worse than dj atomica insufferable yeah 
He looks he he looks and sounds like what would be like the shitty villain in a direct TV to DVD Bradley Cooper movie in like 2005. Yes. Like like Breathless grim. or what what uh, uh Limitless 2. Yeah, Limitless <laughs> 2 starring Paris Hilton as as the love interest who betrays him. Like yeah, bad. Yeah. Uh, uh but it's all of that aside it is the closest thing that we have to a Burnout Paradise, like a new one, in the year of our Lord 2016. And as a racing game, as an open-world racing game, as a way to, like, race with your friends, it feels really good. It's a really, really good one of those. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if, I, if, if you're into it, like, I highly recommend it. Like, it, they made another one, and it's just as good as the other ones, and, but there's more. That's, so if I have a so if I have a Toyota Corolla, I <laughs> I might not be as tempted. But if I'm in the market for a car, I might give it a shot. Yeah. I might go on a test drive. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and there's a demo up. You can check it out and see if you like it for yourself. They they're also like it, it's there. It's Microsoft's first game that takes advantage of HDR. Uh, if you have the Xbox One S, I have neither mm. a TV capable of HDR nor an Xbox One S, so I was unable to test it myself. But apparently, uh, like, the game already looks really good. And I'm looking yeah. at the skies and, like, the night sky. Like, when you're driving at night and you're driving back oh, to Oh, all the... of their skies, all of their skies are legitimate Australian skies. Captured in real time. <laughs> oh, you, you saw the presentation, year, I see. <laughs> over the course of a full year as we built the most social Forza ever made, everybody. Did you know it's the most social Forza ever made? I mean, it is Sorry. that. It is the most. Done. It, it is done. the most Forza. And, like, <laughs> but the thing is, like, I, I'm driving, and you see the night sky, and as you're driving back to these festival locations, they're just, like, fireworks popping off, and it looks amazing already. And now I'm just thinking, like, oh, my God, what if I had an HDR TV? What if I had the <laughs> This movie? is how they get you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, oh, man, this, this could be so cool. I'm not. I can't. I have to be strong. Like, yeah, man. But I don't know. It, it sounds. It sounds. Everything that you've described makes it sound like the warm Epsom salt bath of video games. Yeah. Like it. It is. It. it is what it is. Um. It's really good at what it does, and it's. It's a. It's one of Microsoft's rare solid first party releases, and I feel like nobody cares. Yeah. Um. And the other thing too, it's like I, as someone who who likes, okay, so I like racing games, like arcadey style, burnout style racing games, but I hate cars. Like I drive cars like I hate them in these games, <laughs> and this game lets me do that. Whereas Forza Motorsport, um, the more simulationy series, is feels very like detached. It's like that Gran Turismo thing where it's just it's a bunch of menus and a bunch of racetracks, and that's all it is. Um, Whereas this gives me a little bit more to do, a little bit more, um, like, I can just kind of drive really fast and crash into other people with reckless abandon and enjoy that. But it also has the stuff where it's like, if you, you can customize your entire difficulty settings. You can customize the, uh, you can mess with differentials. I don't know why you would do that, because I don't know anything about cars, but you can, mm. if you want to. <laughs> I mean, go for it. Um. But, like, like, that's the part about Horizon that always, like, really appealed to me. It just, it sucks that, I don't know, no one cares about Xbox right now, I guess. Or even Forza, yeah, for that matter. 
Let me ask you a really a question that keeps popping up in my head every single time Forza Horizon comes up, Dave. Yeah. Do you think the term barn find sounds as filthy as I do? It sounds really See, lewd, I, and I'm I, not I never, totally sure I never why. really <laughs> felt that way about it, but now that you put it that way... Right? It does sound barn kind finds. of lewd. It sounds filthy. <laughs> Get together for Horizon. <laughs> yeah, also, that's I, I, a, that's another ridiculous thing. Oh, there are just abandoned cars and barns around the country. Find them yeah. and keep the car inside. <laughs> why not? Yeah, You're gonna pay so many taxes on those. <laughs> that's a difference. In there. <laughs> I I just wish I, I like. At the ver- when Forza Horizon first came out, and it's it's it seems strange that we've had so many of these games in such a short amount of time. Yeah, you know, like it's gotten to the point where the big car games and car games just aren't what they used to be. There used to be many many different driving games, and now there aren't that many. And a Gran Turismo or a Forza Motorsport only comes out every now and again. But we well, had. Three Forza Horizons in four years. Well, okay, so so Gran Turismo is definitely like it takes us six years to make one of these games, right? Whereas right, like I right. think Forza now is on this path where they're doing the they're doing the Call of Duty thing, where they have two different yeah. studios, and one year you get Forza Motorsport, and the next year you get Forza Horizon, and they've been doing mm-hmm. that kind of back and forth ever since the first one came out. I, I want to say. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because yeah, like you said, there aren't a lot of racing games out there anymore, and and there's certainly not even a lot of like short of Mario Kart, there aren't a lot of arcadey racers anymore. Like you know, kart racers used to be a dime a dozen. Oh yeah, there there. I mean, is there an arcade racer anymore? Like I don't think that there is something I mean, that fulfills the, the role. The of last one was Ridge that racer. that FMV Need for Speed game, and we all know how that turned out. Oh. I, thought the, I thought the last like arcadey racer would be the crew. Yeah, we also know how that one turned out. I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. Sam. I don't. I don't acknowledge that a game called the Crew ever existed, <laughs> or that it starred hipster douchebag, uh, hipster douchebag Nathan Drake as a guy who it was involved with cars for some reason. The, the main character God. of that game looked like a cross between Gordon Freeman and the main character from Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh, he totally did. The crew was literally a game wherein they gave you a car from a budget PlayStation 1 racing game. Yes. And then asked you to drive it through the engine for Spider-Man 3 on PlayStation 3. Yes. <laughs> like those that's that was it. That was the also, entire game. <laughs> and and find the satellites. They're not towers, they're satellites. They're satellites. To Gotta make the get icons to the satellites. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Forza Horizon Three is definitely better than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is definitely it is much better than that. Uh, the story is ridiculous, but it knows enough. It knows better to get out of the way more often than not. Yeah. Uh, and I, like, I don't know. Do you think if say EA was like we're making another Burnout game, do you think people would get excited about that, or do you think well, that maybe I, it's time I, is I, done? I don't. I don't really know like the 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 evidence that i have for the fact that people would be into something akin to that was have you guys ever heard of a game called 90s arcade racer that's its actual name 
Yeah. Yeah, 90s Arcade Racer was one of those big Kickstarter successes during the first flood of Kickstarter games in about 2012. And I, I think that this game got funded maybe three or four months after uh, Broken Age was, when it was still called Double Fine Adventure. And 90s Arcade Racer is exactly what it sounds like. It's, you know, uh, big blue skies, cars that sort of look like a cross between something in Ridge Racer and Daytona. Uh, very, very sort of effervescent and beautiful and neat looking. And it's also a poster child for why people hate Kickstarter games now. Uh, because they, people poured money into it, and then the person who was developing it partnered with Nicholas, the you know sort of small indie pub that's put out things like 1001 Spikes or the retail version of Cave Story, and then it just vanished. It's, you know... They claim it's still being made. That Wii U retail version of 90s Arcade Racer is still coming, everybody. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, like, people people were justifiably infuriated that they, they gave money for this and it just disappeared. But, all that said, the people, they, they came. They spent a lot of money to have that kind of arcade racer again. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that I personally would love it if Namco, you know, went to what remains of their internal studios and was like, let's make Ridge Racer 8. Let's Ridge do that right Racer. Now. Ridge Racer. <laughs> uh, but, like, at the exact same time, hell, there have been a lot of Ridge Racer games. There was uh, the one made by a Czech studio a few years ago for PlayStation 3, which was okay. Ridge Racer Unbound or something. Yeah, and didn't one of them get delisted or something because of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that got delisted. Oh, that game. Uh, that game. Yeah. You can't you can't get Ridge Racer Unbound anymore. Uh, there's Ridge Racer 3D. There was Ridge Racer 7 for PlayStation 3. There was Ridge Racer 6 on Xbox 360. But they all kind of sucked. Like the last <laughs> time there was a good Ridge Racer was 17 years ago. Uh, so, I, I don't know, man. Like, I think that people would be really into an arcade-style racing game, but A, I don't know who the hell would make it at this point. Yeah, well, because EA was, the, like, they made that big to-do that one year that they had literally nothing to show at E3. Right, And right. they filmed that video where it's like, yeah, the people at Criterion who, what make that explosion racing game that you like. <laughs> right, right. Uh, are working on an extreme sports game. We're gonna have planes. We're gonna have cars. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. We're filming a lot of stuff. Uh, and then, like, that just got quietly canceled, and now that entire studio is making Star Wars VR games. Yeah, all Criterion, what remains of Criterion at this point, just models Wookiees, and that's it. That's that's what they do as a studio. Yeah. And, well, uh, what's the what's the studio called that made Dangerous Golf? Because they said that they are doing a car game again. Sam, you vanished from <laughs> Skype. Can you say that again? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. That was weird. Uh, I said, what was the uh, name of the studio that did Dangerous Golf? Because he Ooh. said on Twitter that he is oh, gonna, that's right. they're doing Alex a car game. Well, first of all, did you know they're a small studio? Yes, uh, <laughs> I was aware. <laughs> Vaguely. No, uh, yeah, uh, Three Points, I think they're called. Three Points, Alex Ward and Fiona Sperry's current studio that's making that made Dangerous Golf has claimed that they're going to do a burnout-style racing game. Uh, but that's that's an 11-person studio, and 
it remains to be seen if that game ever comes to fruition. Uh, jury, jury is out. I'm maintaining uh, on that one. You've got Mario Kart. I'm happy. That's yeah. That's the like, thing. Like I, I think there would be interest in it, but I don't know if like is there interest on consoles other than the the Wii Nintendo stuff? I feel like people yeah. who like Mario Kart have it. People who don't mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, well, you know the the levels of interest vary, and you know it's things like you know Dark Souls. That series is made for pennies on the dollar, and it uh, sells really well. And they, from software, always makes their money back because they know what their audience size is and mm-hmm. how many people they can reach and how many will probably try it uh, for the first time. But, you know, they're not trying to make Dark Souls into the new Call of Duty. Like, everybody is trying to beat Call of Duty. And yeah. if you would just... Like, the first the first Tomb Raider of the reboot series sold... God, what was it? 11 million copies? And well, it was considered... it, when, they, when they declared it a failure, it had only sold three million, and oh that was God. that was shortly after it came out. It was right. in the fiscal year that it came out. And they're like, it sold three million copies. A financial failure. Right, because they wanted it to sell like an absurd. Maybe it was eleven million that they wanted to sell. What's the, I for what's some the reason quote number from, that sticks like, out to my head. Square Enix wants uh, Final Fantasy t- uh, fifteen to sell like ten million copies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What? Yeah. what? <laughs> no in what world like i i'm excited about final fantasy 15 but that game was weird as balls there's no way it's gonna sell 10 million copies yeah sorry kids nobody's gonna play your cup of noodles uh simulator in that kind of scale i mean right i'll, I'll, I'll buy it i'll probably end up buying it twice guys but like but like not, there's uh, 10 million of us the people who made the people who made a uh, flat out for the original Xbox, if you remember that, they made oh, a new oh, yeah. game, Spin-wheels? and it's no, uh, no, 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 no. What was it called? No, it, was, it was just called like another car racer for a while. I think that was it. Yeah, that was its car. That was its like code name. I can't remember what it's actually called now. But I I looked it up on Steam recently, and it's got like great reviews, and the people who play it love it, and it has an audience. But you know, we haven't heard of it because it's small. So I think you could get a burnout game or a, uh, you know, arcade racer, a 90s arcade racer or whatever. You just have to, the dev that makes it has to understand and the publisher that backs it has to understand it's not going to be a multi-million dollar runaway success. You have to budget for that type of audience. And if you yeah. get They're out there. It's but you, gravy if you, if you happen to luck out. But, but don't, but don't, but count don't on it. Yeah. bet on it, yeah. Or you will be sad. Uh, guys, I just, I just looked it up, and 90s Arcade Racer, as of May 2016, is no longer ca- called 90s Arcade Racer. It is now called 90s Super GP, and the only reason anybody knows that is Nicholas changed its product page. <laughs> Uh, but didn't release any new information about it. Rad. Apparently, it's no longer coming to the Wii U. Everybody's oh, really surprise. surprised. <laughs> Are you surprised, everyone? Yes. It's not coming out for Wii oh, U the, anymore. The Wii U is such a healthy platform. It's a robust, robust. <laughs> it's going to be an system. NX launch title, is why. It's going to be <laughs> whatever the hell that is thing there, turns out to be. Is there such a thing as a death title? Is there like <laughs> is that a, is that a new term we can use? Like the last game, uh, the one that shuts out the lights on a console. 
like maybe it could be maybe it could be the death game. Like Actually, no. Everybody knows Paper Mario or whatever. Paper Mario Color Splash is going to be the death game on Wii U. Yeah. Uh, yep. Unfortunately. Sadness. Uh, you know, you want to know what is not going to shut out the lights? Uh, uh, I, because we are not dying. We are thriving. We are filled with vigor, and youth. Not really. Uh, I'm I'm old, but everybody else on this podcast is pretty young. <laughs> I'm not that much radio ra- you are, dude. That's I true. Yeah, I don't you're think you're that like, far. You're, you're only like, you're what, 31, Dave? Yeah, 31. Yeah, 31. Uh, man, actually, you know what? I just realized that here's a, here's a fun WoW-related story that I forgot to tell earlier. Uh, you asked, Sam, why people stop playing games, and I stopped playing WoW in February of 2005, shortly after starting, because I could feel myself turning into a troll. Like, at the time, keep in mind, a different person. I was 22 playing WoW, and I, um, I loved substances that YouTubers talk about a lot uh, when they Mountain use an Dew air horn. Doritos? Ma- no, wait. <laughs> hey, you guys. I, 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 I enjoyed marijuana oh, okay. a lot at the time. At the, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was that guy when I was playing WoW. And I realized, like, w- like, I ended up playing with two friends for one really long night. And it was the first time I discovered that people could, like, turn themselves into animals. Like, that was, like, they could trans transmute into a creature of some kind. And I saw oh, yeah. some guy turn into a bear. And I was like, that's the greatest thing of all time. And I just followed him around for, like, an hour going, Bear, come home! Bear! Bear, you've got to come home, Bear! And just, like, right, like all caps. And then every time we passed by somebody else in the common chat, just being like, tell Bear to come home. And at the end of the night, I realized, like, oh, my God, I'm the asshole. I am the internet troll. I can't ever play this game again. It is impressive self-awareness. This is not good for me. This is not a good thing. Oh, dear. Uh, I, I do wonder sometimes, though, like, if I signed back on, would Bear still be there? Would Bear come home finally? Bear's been waiting Probably. for you this whole, <laughs> this whole time. Yeah, just, it's just the story the of end. Homeward Bound. <laughs> uh, everybody, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Uh, we encourage you to go and read all kinds of lovely things uh, on GamesRadar.com. Dave has, uh, we teased it last week, but Dave has an incredible interview with a Suda51 of Grasshopper Manufacture, the uh, director and creator of Killer7, talking about uh, his history in the industry and the his his first game, which is being reissued for the first time in English mm-hmm. uh, in October, yeah. called The Silver Case. Go read that. That feature. game looks bananas. <laughs> Can't wait. Cannot wait. I, I, Cannot just, wait. I wish I could have talked with him longer. Like, 30 minutes was not enough time. I wanted to pick that man's brain for... For a while, and the the guy translating, he was also the um, uh, the localizer for the silver case, and he he was awesome too. Like they were both just like super interesting to talk to. So mm. hopefully, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll have a chance to to chat with them later again. To talk talk with them again. Yeah. Talk with them again. Uh, yeah, everybody. Until next week, 
you can find us on on Twitter and Facebook and all of those places. Like, follow, subscribe, like, yeah, follow, follow, subscribe. Gwen, 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 Gwen. And uh, yeah, as always, uh, give us a review on iTunes, and we'll read it out loud, even if you say horrible things about us. And uh, Bear, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Come home. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>